Hello, how you doing, Kieran? You're welcome to this week's uh, Euro Soccer. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, there's been uh, plenty of soccer since we spoke spoke last um, around Europe. It's best to start off with the Champions League draw. Maybe look back at the look back at the group stages and look ahead to the um, the knockout stages of the Champions League as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Aiden. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, plenty to talk about, as you say. Uh, a lot going on. Um, I have to say, I really enjoyed the Champions League group stage. I really did. I don't know was that because I was maybe more tuned into them than normal because, well, obviously we'd been starved of football for a few months earlier in the year. But at the same time, I I thought it was a really I thought it was a really competitive group stage, and that's good to see. I mean, we don't want to see we don't want to see groups where teams are running away with it. We don't want to see groups where you know there's kind of a, there's kind of only one team or two teams in each group. It was a genuinely very competitive group stage. Uh, just a, just a word on some of the teams that got knocked out. I think uh, I think the Europa League is going to be very interesting. Uh, I have to say, I think it's going to be incredibly interesting. Uh, we nearly had teams like Real Madrid in the Europa League, but obviously uh, you're probably happy enough that Manchester United are in the Europa League now. Um, and uh, <laughs> we have uh, the likes of Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, a bit of a bit of a mystery team. I mean, because they they beat Real Madrid twice, but at the same time they got hammer they got two hammerings by Borussia Mönchengladbach. They can sometimes be a well organized team, sometimes they're not. So it's. Um, it's hard. They're they're an unpredictable one, but uh, if they can get their act together a little bit, they could go far in the competition. Uh, Salzburg, another one. Uh, they're obviously linked in with our. Uh, not the best of uh, not the best of records, but at the same time, uh, they got their they got a couple of wins. They got their their one win over uh, um, Lokomotiv Moscow, and at the same against Atleti. running away with that group. Um, Olympiacos also went to the Europa League uh, weren't overly impressive in the group stage um, became the only team to drop points to Marseille who were fairly abysmal in the group uh, just a word on as well uh, Lokomotiv Moscow I think uh, they were they were every bit good value for their three points their three draws I mean they they probably Munich game and uh, Inter have to be fairly disappointed maybe it's a blessing Maybe it'll give them a chance to go that they're out of Europe. Maybe it'll give them a chance now to um, to go and compete in Syria. But at the same time, they have to be very disappointed. They this is where they want to be. They want to at least be in the Europa League, and they well, they're out of Europe completely now. Uh, looking at then um, Ajax, uh, always a bit disappointed when Ajax go out of the Champions League because look, they're a they're a they're a good team in that they promote young talent. I mean, they obviously. Obviously, lost Van de Beek this year. Uh, I don't know what he's thinking about. I'm sure he might be thinking he'd rather be at Ajax still. Uh, they've obviously lost the likes of Frank de Jong and Matthias de Ligt. So, you know, uh, difficult for them to keep producing talent, but they consistently do it. And in there, they have the old guard like Dusan Tadic. Don't think anyone would have thought he'd be one of the best players in the Champions League going, uh, going back to his time in Southampton. But uh, Michelin as well uh, had their debut campaign. Um, look, it wasn't a great campaign, but at the end of the day, they managed to get two draws. Uh, one coming against Liverpool, one coming against Atalanta. That's that's two tough draws. Uh, the Atlanta one in particular, Atalanta one in particular, away from home. So, look, they won't be too disappointed, I don't think. And uh, it's a building block. I mean, it's not easy to come to the Champions League. Then uh, Group E, you had Krasnodar and Rennes getting knocked out. Uh, again, two teams making their co- competition debut. Uh, 
I think Rennes will be a bit more disappointed of being crossed the door into the into the Europa League. Uh, they they were guaranteed a place in the Europa League uh, by the last day based on head to head record as they had beaten uh, as they had beaten Rennes and it was uh, based on head to head record. Uh, they also got a draw against Chelsea. Rennes, though, I have to say, uh, Camavinga. Looking looking at him, he's only eighteen. He's such a He's such an all-around midfielder already. I mean, he's, it just goes to show France aren't done producing world-class talent. I mean, can't wait to see him and Mbappe in the same team. Uh, it, I mean, I think he should be in the Euros, really. I mean, I think anyone who watched any bit of Rennes would be impressed by him. Then, uh, looking at the likes of Club Rouge and Zenit, I mean, Zenit would be very disappointed. They were pretty much out of it before the last... Uh, they were out of it, in fact, before the last game round. Club Rouge, though, will be very happy with themselves. I mean, they they uh, they really stuck it up for the big guns in Dortmund of Lazio. Lazio making their first Champions League appearance in 13 years. Uh, then uh, Dinamo Kiev and Ferran Zaporossi also out. Uh, Kiev taking a deserved place in the Europa League. I thought they uh, I thought they were pretty impressive in uh, their games. Uh, their four points coming against Ferran Zaporossi who uh, managed to get their first Champions League point of the Champions League era. Uh, they hadn't been in uh, they hadn't been in the European Cup in 25 years. So, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a big occasion for them, obviously. And then, obviously, Manchester United getting knocked out. It seemed like they were in control of the group. It seemed like they had every chance of qualifying. They lost to Istanbul Basek year. Uh, then they went on and beat Basek year in the other leg. And that seemed like they could get through. Then they completely lost their head against PSG. I don't know what Fred was doing getting sent off. Then uh, they lost to RB Leipzig. Nearly matched to come back in that game, and they would have they would have gone through if they had gotten a point out of that. So yeah, looking at it, uh, they'll be they'll be very disappointed, and it's probably not helpful for them to be playing on Thursdays. Istanbul Basak year making their debut in the Champions League as well. We had a few debutants. Uh, they'll be uh, they'll be they'll be happy enough, I think. Uh, I mean that that big win against. That big win against um, uh, Manchester United will really, uh, will really give them a big boost. But um, yeah, looking at the draw then for the Champions League, uh, wondering how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about playing RB Leipzig, an exciting team, but they they can concede goals when they need when they want to. That's it. Yeah, they're uh, it's an interesting team because I suppose like like you just said there. You know, in the group stages, I, I thought it was a, an interesting mix of some interesting results, some not too surprising results, and then some uh, some very surprising results, and some uh, some new teams actually emerged uh, that, that in the um, group stages than we would have thought. But RB Leipzig, I've always raised them very well. I always thought they were a good side, and uh, you know that the, they had a nice style of football, kind of nearly Ajax style. Uh, you know they're able to knock about. They're able to knock it about, knock the ball about a bit, and um, yeah, they're good. They're a good football inside, aren't they? Um, it'd be interesting to see how Liverpool handle them. Yeah, absolutely, it will be. And obviously, we don't know. I mean, I think Liverpool would would love a month off now at this stage, just so they don't get any more injuries. Obviously, Matip going off injured there in the in their last game. Uh, they'll be very disappointed with that draw against West Brom. They really dominated the game, but it was kind of a Sam Allardyce masterclass one all. Uh, but looking at uh, Liverpool against Leipzig, it's an interesting game, and I think the first leg is really key because either of these teams could win the game three 0 It feels like because Leipzig aren't as bad defensively as they seem sometimes. They have two good defenders in Ubamacano and Kanate, but at the same time, they're young defenders. They maybe try to play a bit too much football at, at sometimes. That's something Ubamacano is really good at. 
and you can expect to see him in the French squad at some stage. Uh, he's good at playing the ball out from the back, but sometimes, you know, you just have to hoof it out. You just have to get rid of it. Liverpool obviously will be without Virgil van Dijk, which will always make you a bit nervous. I mean, I think their best centre-back partnership when Van Dijk's not there is Matip and Gomez because looking at Fabinho, he's a, he's more of a defensive midfielder. I mean, he can do a job maybe against poor opposition, but he's used to having defenders behind him and he's used to being able to being able to chase the ball back. You can't do that when you're a centre-back. You don't have anyone. You, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, maybe... Uh, you know, maybe there there's one or two other options. Uh, you, you know, on the bench, maybe that's uh, uh, what you call it. Um, you know, another defensive midfielder. Uh, you, you know, um, you know there there might be other more ex- kind of experience that's. Uh, you know, maybe even Henderson has played in central defence, but if, if if you play him, then there you're you're losing his leadership then in midfield and what he brings to midfield. So it's. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's going to, um, you know, I suppose Reese Williams came on and, you know, last last night against West Brom, um, you, you know, it, it, he was very unlucky giving away that, um, well, he was left with no option. He had to hit it out for the corner, which, <laughs> and that corner led to, led to the equaliser. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting now because, you know, they need someone that's... Uh, Especially in the knockout stages of the Champions League, they'll need someone to that's a bit more solid for the European games. Yeah, I think it's a bit of experience. I mean, I think that's the key word, and that's going back to Fabinho. He doesn't have as much experience playing as a centre back. You talk about Henderson; he has played there, and I do think he do a decent job there. But at the same time, like you said, leadership in the middle of the park—that's something they need. That's that's something. Maybe maybe Sorry, you kind of cut out there. He played there as well. James, James oh well, James Milner can play in any position at all. Yeah, I mean, I'd, uh, I'd, I trust. I, I'd nearly put James Milner in there if he had to be. And uh, speaking of which, we have to mention Kevin Kelleher. I mean, he was fantastic in his games. Uh, it's great to see, uh, particularly from an Irish point of view. We didn't really have, we didn't really have any goalkeeper playing any games. So uh, you know, we need, we needed that. We needed him coming in and playing a bit of football at uh, at some stage. And uh, it's great to see. But uh, looking elsewhere, uh, it's uh, the thing about uh, the thing about Liverpool. I suppose they need to keep that balance in the team, and they've shifted slightly from uh, from what they were doing. They're using their squad a bit more. I suppose that's natural with a shortened off season and the likes of that. So um, looking at it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see anyway what happens uh, in that game. Uh, I think yeah, the first leg is crucial there uh, in in that one, and obviously yeah, Leipzig are at home there in the first leg. But uh, looking at uh, looking at then the other game, I suppose the big one people will remember the comeback a few years ago, Barcelona against PSG. You'll probably remember another comeback against uh, Barcelona. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you remember that one. But uh, PSG against Barcelona, um, it's in the new camp, the first leg. You know, it's a it's an intriguing one because I think it's two teams that aren't as good as they who have maybe missed their chance a little bit. I mean, Barcelona, we don't know what's going on with Messi. We don't know if you like their stocks, you might just leave uh, at the end of the season. Their stocks, you might leave in January. Um, who can afford them? PSG are one of those teams, I suppose. So PSG knock out Barcelona, maybe that'll sway them to go that way. Uh, whereas PSG, looking through their squad, they've got a decent squad. And I don't think they're, and I, I think uh, some of their players are a little bit underrated. But you look at it, they have Mbappe, they have Neymar, who went off injured there a few weeks ago. Uh, they have Marquinhos and Baratti. 
they're they're their world class players. Now Verratti, he doesn't he doesn't always have his mind in the game. There's a lot of talk that he he really uh, loves the Paris lifestyle a little bit. So uh, you know he's he's maybe a bit of a party animal and doesn't quite doesn't quite love um, doesn't quite play as much football. It doesn't quite focus at times as he should. But look, he's that talented that you know if they get him back fully fit, he's a very good player. Marquinhos as well. But looking at that, who else do they have that's world class? I mean, they have a decent goalkeeper in Kaylor Navas, who's probably past his best. They have other okay, kind of decent players again, but like they shouldn't be relying on the likes of Chuba Moting, who was a okay Premier League player and not a particularly good one. I mean, they they shouldn't be relying on those. I mean, for all their money, and maybe it would be no harm if they sold the likes of if they sold one of Mbappe or Neymar to clear up a bit of wages, because you look at them, they don't have. They don't. They don't have the. They don't have the overall talent. I mean, they don't have that. Like Di Maria, I suppose, or that in there as a creative midfield player. But like, they don't have that marshal, marshalling uh, presence in defence. They're they're missing a lot of quality in their team. So uh, I'd really ask questions about them, and I think this is a, this is two teams that um, really need to win here because Barcelona get knocked out in the last sixteen then suddenly it's a disastrous season because it doesn't look like they're going to win the league. It looks like it's between Atleti or Real Madrid. It doesn't look like they're going to go, they're going to uh, win anything, win the Champions League either, but they, they really need to make a good stab at getting to at least the semi-finals, it seems. Uh, whereas PSG made it to the final last year, but they seem to have only gone backwards. They were a bit lucky to get out of their group. I mean, they, were, they really got through because Man United had a bit of a meltdown against them. I think it's an intriguing game. Uh, at the same time, I would expect, I'd expect maybe Barcelona to go through, just because I think they're starting to get into a kind of a flow now. I think Messi's decided he wants to give it one more go. Just yet, no one can afford him just yet. Uh, they have good players in Pedri, Fati. Uh, they've uh, they have some good young talent around the park. So I think we might be seeing a new era coming into Barcelona if they can hold on to the likes of De Jong, world class goalkeeper Inter Stegen as well. Uh, and uh, you know, look, just looking through their team, I think uh, I think I'd back Barcelona in that game, but not by much. And I think uh, I think they have to keep a clean sheet in the first leg. That's it, and I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to make for a great, a very interesting uh, knockout stages. And of course, for all of those, I suppose really <laughs> you can't really go. But I know you know the teams that are home in the first leg. They can't really use that as as a cushion, really, because as we've seen for Liverpool um, last year or the year before, and um, in the knockout stages, you know, from the first leg, it looked like uh, Barcelona were going to run away, but Liverpool, Liverpool were just awesome in the in the second leg, and uh, what a comeback of comebacks! It was nearly, it was it was nearly like uh, back in two thousand and five, the comeback against yeah. AC Milan. You know, it was nearly. Similar to that, so uh, and I mean, these are some very you know, the cream is rising to the top now. This is the I suppose the creme de la creme now that are are, are left uh, in the knockout stages. So you know, there's there's mistake you can't really teams if they're if they're aspiring to go on to get get to the final, they can't really afford any mistakes because if they make a mistake, they'll be punished at this stage. Whereas maybe in the league, in the knockout or in the group stages they they might have gotten away with them against weaker opposition but not against the Barcelonas and the Real Madrids and the Paris Saint Germains and the Liverpools, you know, this is any mistakes would be punished. Well, that's the thing. I mean you're coming up against teams that have a lot more experience at this level. 
Uh, every team in the group, we have no debutants in the group stage. The only team that hasn't been in the groups in the, or sorry, the knockout rounds, only team that hasn't been in the knockout rounds recently is Lazio. They haven't been in the Champions League in 13 years. So maybe the least experienced team in that sense. Lazio take on Bayern Munich. That's an interesting one. I mean, Lazio, if you haven't seen Ciro Immobile play, there's a reason they put up such a good title challenge last season. They fell away a bit at the end. Uh, obviously, after the pandemic, Juventus went on very good form. But, you know, I back Lazio to become kind of a presence in the Champions League, a consistent presence, a consistent, decent team. Uh, they have good players like uh, Milinkovic Savic, who unfortunately won't be at the Euros because he's a very good young player, pretty much all around midfielder. Uh, they have some uh, they have some good talent in their team. Luis Alberto is a player I really like. He's a centre forward who can drift into midfield. He can kind of do that. He's kind of a drifting number nine, I'd call him. Uh, but uh, looking at them, they're coming against Bayern Munich. Look at Bayern Munich. I mean, Neuer's had a complete career resurgence. It looks like he was on the way down there after he picked up an injury a while ago. I think people were nearly writing him off. I think I nearly wrote him off in some ways. But uh, look at him. He's he's back. To, he's arguably one of the best goalkeepers. I put him up there with Jan Ablak, Jan Ablak and uh, Allison. I put him right up there. Probably better. Uh, looking at them, they have the two best fullbacks in the world in Joshua Kimmich and David Alaba. Uh, talks about whether David Alaba wants to stay. Jerome Boateng has had a bit of a resurgence as well. And uh, that's rare we see so many old, of the older guard having such a resurgence in one team. Uh, looking at them, they have uh, maybe, maybe midfield's a bit of a question if they get an injured because they don't have Thiago there anymore. Thiago obviously went off to Liverpool. But uh, looking at them, Leon Goretzka, I think he's one of the best midfielders in Europe. He's such a powerful player. I mean, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a player reminiscent of Kevin De Bruyne, uh, except he plays in a slightly deeper role. But uh, he's so powerful, he's so strong. I mean, anyone, anyone who saw anyone who's who's seen him is seeing a picture of him will know his muscles have muscles. I mean, but uh, Lewandowski's still probably the best striker in the world. Uh, Thomas Muller again, another one who's had a resurgence. Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané. They're they're quality all over the park. I think I think they're kind of the de facto best team because there aren't a lot of world class teams at the moment. It's been an unusual season in that sense that we haven't had like a yeah. we haven't had like a standout team in that sense. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, um, I suppose really when you when you look at Lewandowski and Muller, they're they're kind of coming to I suppose they're well not the twilight of the career but they're, they're as they get older or as they, as the seasons go on they're they're going to be lo- losing that small bit of pace every season and uh, you know you'd be kind of worried even though they're world class and they can read they can read the game and they, they tend to be in the right place at the right time sometimes that when you're lacking that bit of pace that you need to kind of get to the end of chances or to get to the end of pa- passes especially long passes or that you know maybe a lack of that, um, you know, that bit of pace as, as time goes on, that that might work against them. You know, what what are your thoughts on that kind of, of those two players that there? Yeah, well, look, it's it's possible. I mean, obviously, as we get older, we we lose a bit of legs. I mean, uh, I mean, look, uh, at the end of the day, I, I know myself. I'm 26. I've uh, I've hurt my knee sitting down sometimes. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's not always. You do lose a little bit when you get older. I don't think. I don't think they have to be overly worried though, because I think, uh, like particularly Thomas Muller, he's not he's not a player that uses his pace in particular. He's just a very intelligent. He knows where to move. I mean, before you've realised he's he's drifted into a dangerous position, he's gone. He's gone on you. So I think uh, I think looking at him, I don't think their pace is the biggest uh, is their biggest asset. One thing I would say 
as well is Kingsley Coleman, Leroy Sané, the likes of themselves, and Nabry, of course, can't forget him. They're probably a really big asset to the team because they do have that pace. They do have that pace. And if they can have those runners in behind Lewandowski stretching to the fence, then suddenly Lewandowski has space. You give Lewandowski space, he's going to score a goal. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I see the point. I mean, obviously they're they're going to lose space, but I don't I don't think it's it's something to be overly worried about for them because at the because at the end of the day they're um, yeah, they're yeah. they're two uh, they're two players who are more about movement maybe than pace. Uh, but looking at them, I think uh, I think they'll be all right for another little while, barring any barring any severe injury. I I think we'd all hate to see Lewandowski get injured before the Euros because um, uh, maybe he could. Maybe you could go on a bit of a miracle run with Poland, a decent team. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'd say um, I'd say I'd say they'll be all right for another few years. Um, looking around other other draws, I suppose uh, Juventus, uh, Porto. I suppose you talk about pace. Ronaldo's a player that's probably gotten better with age, to be honest. Uh, because again, his movement's so good, his fitness so good. And that's one thing about Bayern Munich; their, their fitness program is amazing. But uh, you look at Ronaldo. I mean, he's he's still he looks better than he yeah. did when he was. When, I mean, it's it's not hard to see him take off the shirt because he does it every time he scores a goal. But uh, you know, he he looks better than he did when he was in his twenties, and he's he's coming to his late thirties now. I'd say Juventus get through that one. Won't be overly easy. Wouldn't be overly surprised if Porto match to pull off a shock. Um, but then, uh, yeah, looking at the rest of the looking at the rest of the game, some intriguing ones. Atleti Chelsea. Is an interesting one. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure as a Liverpool fan, you were happy enough seeing Chelsea lose to Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal's first win in a long, long time. But uh, yeah. but uh, Atleti, I mean, very well organised. Um, you know, that's something Diego Simeone's good at. He reinvents the team while keeping while keeping the same system. They still play that four four two. They're still very they're still very rigid four four two. But at the same time, they're a very good. Uh, they're they're they've kind of reinvented themselves a little bit. I mean, the likes of Chao Felix to me and Sal Negres to me is one of the most underrated players in the world. I think you could get into any team. He's so skillful, such a he's, he nearly doesn't belong in that athletic team because he's such a technical player. But it shows his relationship with Simeone is good because he's he's willing to do the hard work, the kind of dog work in midfield. Uh, Georgia Koke as well is there. So they've quality all over the park. I think they'll get through against Chelsea on just on experience. I mean, we saw, you won't want to remember the game against Liverpool last season, but uh, we saw, uh, we saw the, we saw that they just have that bit of know-how in Europe. I think Frank Lampard doesn't quite have that as a manager uh, for Chelsea just yet. I don't think he quite knows how to set up his team in the Champions League to just uh, grind out results. So I think we're going to see Atleti come through there. Uh, Sevilla Dortmund's an interesting one. Because uh, looking at Sevilla, I suppose they, they haven't really done it in Champions League for all their, I mean, six Europa Leagues. Uh, six Europa Leagues is incredible, but they haven't really done it in the Champions League before. They're coming up against the Dortmund side that are, are fairly young. I mean, they're a fairly young team. Uh, the likes of uh, the likes of Erling Haaland, it's a travesty. He's not going to be at the Euros. I mean, it's a real shame. He would be. He could have. He could have taken Norway anywhere in that Euros with his goals. Uh, I'd love Dortmund to get through just so we see more of Haaland and more of Sancho and more of Jude Bellingham. But at the same time, uh, Sevilla, I mean, they, they they maybe just have, again, that bit of European know-how. And that's something that can't be underestimated. So maybe maybe Sevilla will uh, manage to get through against Dortmund. Just maybe. I, th- I think that's kind of a... That's kind of two teams that no one would mind getting in the, in the quarterfinals. 
Um, then looking at Atalanta against Real Madrid, very interesting game. We're probably going to get goals in that game. We usually do with Atalanta because uh, they're not great defensively. But at the same time, they can score any amount of goals going forward. I, I wouldn't dare predict the aggregate score of that game. But at the same time, um, I think Real Madrid get through there. Again, we talk about European know-how. We talk about their better defensively. And they could blow that Atalanta team away 3-0 in the first leg. Uh, Karen Benzema, another one who's having a bit of a career resurgence. He's not worried about getting older at all. Uh, they have good players in Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, Real Madrid, yeah, I think they just have that bit of extra quality. Casemiro is a player I really rate. I think he'll be able to clean up against that Atlanta team. Uh, Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane. Varane hasn't had the best of seasons, but I think they just have that. I think they just have the ability to shut down that Atlanta team. And then uh, finally, Borussia Mönchengladbach, one of the surprise packages of the uh, of the tournament. Uh, my my favorite German team against Manchester City. That's an interesting one. I think this is going to be Manchester City's latest slip up. I don't think Man City are going to win the Champions League this season. I think they're going to get knocked out here. Mönchengladbach, they're very they're a very exciting team to see play. I mean, they they were. I think there was a minimum of four goals in each of their Champions League games uh, up until up until the last game against Real Madrid. So um, looking at them, like they, they, they're they're probably not not as good in terms of quality, but I think they I think they have that kind of I think they have that they're all they're all willing to die for each other and the jersey, and uh, that may sound dramatic and it probably is a bit dramatic, but I don't think Man City have that yet. I think Man City are the kind of team that when things are going well, when they're winning five or six nil, and when they have all the ball, they'll they'll do great. But they're probably not going to have that against Mönchengladbach. Taram is a player to look out for. Uh, he's a fantastic uh, striker. I think he could be. I, I'd love to see him stay at Mönchengladbach, but I think he could be on his way to bigger and better things. So uh, I'm going to go for a little bit of a shock there and say Borussia Mönchengladbach to get through. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's a really exciting season. I suppose it's the nature of the season we have, isn't it? I suppose it's been a it's been a very strange. Uh, it's been a very strange year. There hasn't been an off season, and no one looks world class. So it's it's a very open Champions League. That's it. Because I suppose, really, when you when you look at the talents that uh, Man City have, they've been very disappointing both in the Premier League and the Champions League. So that that's going to be an interesting play for them, uh, maybe to regain their. I mean, there was one or two times there where people were maybe calling for. Uh, Calling for the manager's head, but that's for another day. He's too good of a manager to kind of let go because he's bringing, he's getting the best out of the, a bit out. Of but I suppose maybe it's because some of the players are uh, kind of getting on a bit, the likes of Aguero and all that. But I suppose moving on to the the second tier competition, the Europa League draw, some very interesting fixtures in that. Yeah, indeed there are. I think it's going to be an interesting Europa League. Europa League doesn't get a lot of love. I think it might start getting a lot, of, a lot more love uh, when the when the Europa Conference comes in next season. Obviously, we could see an Irish team or two in the Europa Conference, the new third tier. I think that's a great idea, by the way, and it's something I'm really looking forward to next year, just seeing more teams get the opportunity from lower leagues. Ideally, what I'd like to see is every league's champion uh, every the champion of each country, obviously, little asterisks beside that. Liechtenstein don't have a league; their teams play in the Swiss league. Uh, they do have a cup competition, so maybe you can make the cup winner. Uh, but I'd like to see the champions of each country are guaranteed. Those that aren't already guaranteed place in the Champions League or Europa League, I'd love to see them guaranteed at least a place in the Europa Conference. I think that would be good for football for in Europe. Um, but looking at looking at yeah, the Europa League, I mean, 
some interesting ties again. I suppose just starting with the English clubs that listeners would be a bit more familiar with. Uh, Real Sociedad against Manchester United. Wolfsburger of Austria against Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, Benfica against Arsenal. Uh, and uh, just uh, to round off the British teams, anyway, it's uh, Antwerp against Rangers. So uh, And, uh, sorry, Leicester, uh, Slavia Prague against Leicester. So uh, some interesting games there. Like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Real Sociedad, Manchester United. I think this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call for both teams because I think Real Sociedad are a very good young team and they're going to realise that they have the talent to push on and consistently qualify for the Champions League. If they can keep that squad together, they can keep that team together, I think. And it hurts me to say it as an Athletic Bilbao fan, but these these my uh, my rivals could be a very good European team going forward. So I think uh, I th- I'd make them favourites there. And I don't think... You know you know the way it is with Man United. They they go on three good three good wins and it looks like they're going to challenge for the title and they could win anything. And then they have three terrible results and everyone's calling for Ollie's head. So it's a, it's a bit of a disastrous time. I mean... Um, and they don't have a bad team. I mean, Bruno Fernandes is one of the best players in the Premier League. Uh, Van de Beek, I don't know why he doesn't get more game time. Pogba can do it when he wants to. Rashford and Martial, two good strikers. But at the same time, they just don't do it enough. They just don't do it often enough. I think they're found out that they're really, they're grand against maybe the lower type of, of opposition. Maybe I'm really disingenuous to them, but they're all right against the likes of, you know, West Brom and, and all those type of teams and, Sheffield United and all that, but when, when they come up against the like the top teams, the likes of Man City and Liverpool and maybe Spurs, um, you know those type of teams, Leicester even, although the the one against Leicester, and, but um, you know maybe maybe against the top sides they can be found out, and maybe that came to that came to bear in the in the um in the Champions League at times, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did indeed, and I mean. They're, they're not unlike Man City in that if a team kind of stands up to them and gets in their faces a little bit, suddenly they kind of back down. And I think that's down to management in experience. And look, I'm not a I'm not an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hater. I'm not I'm not out for all his head. I mean, I'm not a Man United supporter, so it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me. But at the same time, I think uh, I think they really struggle when a team gets in their faces a little bit. And uh, you know, it's something uh, it's something that'll trouble them a little bit. Is uh, is that yeah? They 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 aren't particularly good when the team stands up to them. And I mean, a bit like Man City when they when they have the ball, when they're afforded space, when they're afforded, when they kind of when it, it's not unlike during Ferguson's last years. Uh, and uh, Alex Ferguson, one of the best Premier League managers of all time, but you know, teams feared that Manchester City, Manchester United team, and allowed them to play. They're not being feared anymore at the moment. What would you fear at this team? Because there's there's really nothing to fear. But um, you know when teams when teams kind of don't show when teams don't show them the respect they think they deserve, but show them enough respect to uh, to still um, play intelligent football against them, suddenly they really struggle. So I think uh, yeah, I'd agree with you there that um, you know they might really struggle against this Real Sociedad team, this young fearless team who won't be worried about going to Old Trafford. They they'll be delighted, they'll be relishing it. Yeah, uh, looking elsewhere then, I suppose Tottenham against really Wolfsburg or Tottenham. Um, European football is a totally different beast to playing playing in the Premier League as well. So there, you're kind of when you're playing in Europe, you're kind of having to adapt from one style or one way of playing in Europe because like there are things that 
you won't be let away with in um in the European or you know in European football that you'd be that you would be maybe let away with because I suppose the Premier League is more physical. So you know that there's that there's that kind of thing with uh, Man United. Well, with all, with all teams, like you kind of have to switch maybe kind of the mentality of how you approach a European game compared to the Premier League. Well, you do, you do indeed, because again, like uh, obviously, it's just natural. I mean, different countries are playing against different types of players in different leagues. There's a different climate. Uh, you know, it's a lot different playing in Spain in February than it is playing in England in February. So naturally, you have to change up things a little bit. I mean, that's something that maybe people don't that don't appreciate enough is that there's things like climate, there's things like uh, the amount of heat uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it is difficult to suddenly have to turn on, turn up and start playing in a completely different in a completely different atmosphere to where you normally have to start playing. So yeah, look, I um, I think I think that's something they're going to struggle with. Again, Aldi doesn't have that experience. You look back to Ferguson, and Ferguson's pretty much the pinnacle of managers. I mean, look at the team he won the last his last uh, European Cup with. I mean, that wasn't a particularly good team. Uh, that uh, that Man United, or sorry, not European Cup, Premier League. That wasn't a particularly good team. That team was on the down. I mean, they um, they had they had they there was no real world class players in that team. But at the same time, they did phenomenal and won the league by twelve points, and uh, it could have been more. I, I think they I think they had won it by fifteen points by the time they were guaranteed champions. Uh, so looking at it, I think um, I think that's something Ali that doesn't have. I think he kind of just goes with the flow sometimes, and he he isn't going to give anyone a hair dryer treatment. We heard about the famous hair dryer treatment to kind of uh, you know if uh, you don't play well, Ferguson's going to come in there and uh, you know go go absolutely ballistic at you. I don't think. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, he's that type of character. Uh, we've we've seen yeah, that. That uh, you know, Warnock, like Neil Warnock is kind of like uh, like Ferguson. He 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 gives the players a hard in the French word bollocking, uh, you know, <laughs> when it has to be. But I think um, you know, I I, I don't. Th- I think Ali Ali Solskjaer, He's kind of the he's the type of manager. He doesn't like rocking the boat in case he loses the dressing room. Well, that's it. That's it. I think he's trying to be a bit too friendly. Uh, and that's uh, that's very problematic, obviously, uh, because I mean, if you're you're not you're not there to be anyone's friend, you're there to be their coach. You should be uh, you shouldn't be being anyone's friend. So uh, yeah, look, it's it's difficult. Uh, it's a it's a difficult one. Uh, I I honestly think Sociedad are going to get through there. Um, I suppose to move on then to Tottenham, uh, I think Tottenham are going to win something this this season. It's Jose Mourinho's second season. If they had anyone else coaching them, I wouldn't be as confident. But look, Jose Mourinho has to, knows how to win competitions. I think they're going to win something. I thought it was going to be the Premier League. They've had a few bad results now. Maybe that'll knock them out a little bit. Premier League's so open, we don't know who's going to win the Premier League this season. But um, looking at it, looking at it, I think um, Tottenham would be my favourite for the Europa League, just purely because they have a Jose, they have Jose Mourinho who knows it will win. They're probably it's probably not going to be exciting. The final won't be as exciting as it was last year if Tottenham are in it because Jose Mourinho plays ugly football. But at the same time. We're gonna we're gonna see them grind through these games. They're gonna be Wolfsburg, or even if they lose the first leg, they'll they'll go win. The, they could lose the first leg two 0 and go win the second leg three 0 They're gonna get through that team. They do have world class players. I would call Son Young Ming a world class player. If his name was Son Aldinho, we'd be up there in contention for the Ballon d'Or. Um, I think Harry Kane as well is one of the best. Changes Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. You can change this. Make him make him Brazilian or something like that. Um. But uh, looking at Harry Kane as well, one of the best strikers in the world. Gareth Bale knows how to do it. 
I mean, I think they have a very good team. Possibly need a new goalkeeper. Hugo Lloris may be struggling a little bit. Uh, that's uh, that's one area they maybe need to improve. But uh, looking at them, my, I'm going to call Tottenham my favourite to Europa League. Uh, as for Leicester, Leicester a bit unpredictable. Will they get through that Slavia-Prague game? I don't know. Again, Slavia-Prague have a little bit more experience in the Europe, in kind of European football. Uh, but I think... Um, I think Brendan Rodgers, he's that kind of manager, not unlike Ali, that when things are going well, he's everyone's favourite manager, he's everyone's best friend, good time Brendan. But uh, when things start going badly, he's not going to give anyone a kick up the hoop. I mean, he's not going to he's not going to shout at any players. He's he, he's not going to... You, you remember from Liverpool, he's he's not the manager to have under pressure. So I don't know if Leicester are going to get through this time. That's it. For, I suppose really with, with him though, like from his days at Liverpool, even though he wasn't uh, the type to kind of give the hairdryer treatment or to give out to players, he still got the best out of players. He did. He did. But sometimes I don't think he's going to get that extra little bit. And you need that extra little bit to win trophies. I think he's going to get. So I think he's going to get pretty good out of the players. I think um, it. It kind of seems like it depends almost what they have for breakfast that day and how they're feeling. If they're feeling good, he'll get the best out of them. If they're not feeling good, he's not going to lift anyone up. They're not going to. They're not going to do particularly well. So I think it's. Uh, I think it's a bit of a struggle for Brendan Rodgers to kind of motivate players, and I think Celtic was kind of the perfect job for him in that they were the only team in the league there for a while, so they were always going to win the league. But uh, yeah, look, I, I think he's going to struggle to... This Leicester team isn't as world-class as that Liverpool team. They don't have the likes of Suarez, the Coutinho's, the uh, the Sturridge's, who was on good form at the time. They don't have those players, so I think I think he's going to struggle. Yeah. That's it, and Torres as well. And Torres, of course. Yeah. yeah, and to finish off the show as well, or the podcast then as well, we have... Uh, the World Cup qualifier draw, and then the title races from around the around Europe. And I suppose kicking off about the um, the World Cup qualifier draw, Ireland are in a pretty tough group there with uh, Portugal. That's going to be uh, they're going to be a tough uh, they're going to be a tough nut to crack now over the two legs in the qualify in that qualifying group. Yeah, well, I suppose, uh, I mean, 10 years ago, we were in a group of Portugal and it ended up, or 20 years ago, sorry, uh, we were in a group of Portugal and it ended up pretty well. Uh, so um, I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very difficult one. Look, I think this Ireland team is playing very good football. I think that's something people often forget, that this Ireland team is playing good football. I don't know why we played that friendly against England. And uh, and look, I know it might sound like hindsight and sour grapes because we lost the game. It's something to do with that. I think a training camp would have been, even if we had played a weaker team and won the game, I think a training camp would have been much better. I don't know if we were obliged to play a friendly. Obviously, England makes the most sense if we were because they weren't playing any other game and they're right next to us in the current coronavirus pandemic. But, um, you know, I, I don't know why we played that extra game. I think Stephen Kenny, I'd love to see him get more time and more training camps. Uh, we're supposed to start the qualifiers on the, 20, uh, seven, on, uh, the 27th of March. Uh, and uh, against Luxembourg. I uh, don't know what's going to happen with the virus and all that. We don't know. Look, the, the World Cup could end up having to be moved or something like that. We don't know what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's going to be aiming for set, uh, it's second place. Uh, I think Portugal are beyond favourites. I mean, uh, look at Ronaldo still doing the job. We don't even need to talk about Ronaldo. Everyone knows Ronaldo's doing the job. But uh, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, they have that creativity that we really don't have. They have that, like Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva are two players who can make a goal out of anywhere. They have talent all around the pitch. 
I don't think Stephen Kenny knows his best team yet, and I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think he, I think that's because he hasn't had players available to him, and he hasn't had the time. Talk about Jack Byrne going to Applewell Nicosia. Maybe that'll mean he gets, uh, he gets a bit more of a looking. Um, looking at looking at Ireland, I'd love to see us start playing a back three because uh, I think uh, we need that with Shane Duffy. He, if he doesn't have those players in front of him protecting him, I think he needs to be in a back three in the middle of a back three. I'd love to see us play Ender Stevens and Matt Doherty or Seamus Coleman as a wing back. I think that would be much a much more efficient use of it. I'd love to see Josh Cullen in that team when he came on in the final game against Bulgaria. Look, I've seen him play a lot for Charlton, and he's a fantastic player. I mean, he's he's such an underrated player. He's playing for Anderlecht now, and uh, you know he's he's a terrific player. He's creative. He'll get on the ball, and that's what we need. Players who are going to get on the ball. I don't think Jeff Hendrick and James McCarthy have that bravery when they play for Ireland. Maybe that's because of past managers, but I don't think they have the the kind of the guile, as certain pundits would say. I don't think they have that uh, courage to kind of get on the ball and do something that might be a bit risky. Jack Byrne should probably be playing. I mean, he's probably the best player in the League of Ireland last time. So I, I think we need to play two up front as well. I think um, we don't have a striker who can do that lone striker role. If Troy Barrett's fit, he should play. Uh, he's an intelligent footballer already at such a long age. And then you have Adamida or uh, Aaron Connolly with their pace. Uh, Serbia are a beatable team. I mean, they've had a bad year as well. They have plenty of quality. On pay- we should have bet them in the playoffs. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We should have bet them in the playoffs. We- I suppose you were just saying there about Jack Byrne there, you know, when he was with, um, he'd be a huge loss, obviously, to, to Shamrock Rovers. But maybe now that, it, now that he's gone to... To, to, to another team to Anderlecht we might see a bit more of him uh, he might he, he might start he might be start to start games um, you know because of that full time element compared to although you know I suppose uh, Shamrock Rovers are a, a full time team as well but you know the fact that he's with a team like Anderlecht that might boost the chances of getting into the starting 11 as opposed to just being in the subs and being brought on yeah, I think I actually said it the wrong way around there. It's Josh Cullen who's at Anderlecht. Uh, Jack Byrne's going to Applewell Nicosia of Cyprus, who are, who are uh, I think I said it the wrong way around there, who are being taken over by Mick McCarty. Uh, so I hope Jack Byrne likes crossing the ball. Um, looking at it, look, we should be beating Luxembourg and Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan, I have a bit of fear about that away game just because it's the kind of long trip that we don't always do well in. But uh, look, they're a weak team. I mean, they're the, they're the fifth seed in this group. We should be beating them twice. Uh, Luxembourg um, will be uh, will be an interesting game. They've kind of been they've kind of been doing better than they have, but at the same time, they they shouldn't really realistically be putting too much pressure on us. Uh, so I think it's that Serbia game, uh, getting something out of the Portugal game. If we can get a draw against Portugal at home, beat Serbia and get a draw against away, that'll be enough. And I think this Ireland team are capable of doing it. I mean, we have some good young players. We have some we have a quality coach. I think it just needs to be that confidence. I feel like once we start scoring goals, we'll st- we'll we won't stop scoring goals. I think yeah, I think that was the one thing about Ireland. You know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of not really in favour of the of the um, Nations League because yeah, it's it's great way of blooding players and this that and other. But it just because of because of the Na- Nations League, it means players are away from their clubs, and there's a, because there are so many extra games on players both the club and international level it, it, there's a higher chance now of players getting injured because of all the extra games as opposed to we say in years gone by where there was just one game a month uh, qualifiers you know as an international team be it a qualifier or a friendly now there's uh, when uh, when teams meet up then it, it's uh, three games 
three a block of three games and then they go back they could they go back to their club they could be injured and that that's kind of that's playing on players minds as well and I, I think that'll result in players um maybe retiring from international football earlier early as well because they want to extend their career uh you know at club level so the to do that then they'll just have to they'll probably retire from the, from international level earlier yeah possibly will because i mean at the end of the day there's only really two competitions in international football. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anyone rates the like the Nations League isn't kind of open to anyone. Only the very top teams are going to win it. And, uh, you know, I think unless you're playing for a particularly good team, you're probably never going to win anything in the in the uh, international in the international field. So, I mean, yeah, look, I, I think we might start seeing players maybe drop out of international football. Might be exciting in more ways because we'll see um, we'll see more. Um, younger talent coming through but uh yeah look it'll be um it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see and i uh, i think you're onto something there and just a, a quick run through the other groups uh spain will likely uh, be favorites for their group uh coming up against sweden sweden a team that hasn't really moved on from zlatan uh, since he's retired uh kosovo i will give an outside chance to and uh georgia two decent teams georgia coming in within inches of uh, qualifying for a first major tournament Italy, I think uh, I bank on them getting through and Switzerland getting the uh, playoff place. Uh, it's a difficult group for Northern Ireland. Uh, I think uh, I think they're good enough to get into a playoff, but I just think uh, Italy and Switzerland are better. Italy have quite a good young team now. Uh, they've kind of gotten over their little slump period. Uh, France will probably run away with their group. Then it's interesting. It's between Ukraine, Finland, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Kazakhstan. I think uh, I think Finland. I mean, they qualified for the first major tournament. Bit of an old team though, so maybe they might struggle. Um, Wales, who we know all too well at this stage, are in a group of Belgium, <coughs> uh, Belgium and Czech Republic. Uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for Wales to overcome Belgium, but I think they will get a playoff. Uh, Denmark, who I fully expected we would play because we see play either Denmark or Wales. Uh, isn't it amazing we didn't play Denmark, Wales, or Georgia uh, in in this group? But uh, I think uh, this is a very open group, and Scotland have every chance of coming over Denmark and Austria. Uh, Israel, Faroe Islands, and Moldova making up that group. Uh, Netherlands, uh, Netherlands, a good young team. Uh, probably have an okay group against Turkey and Norway, um, and then uh, three weaker teams in Montenegro, Latvia, and Gibraltar. I think Netherlands will be favoured to stop that group, but I wouldn't write off Turkey or um, Norway. Then, uh, yeah, Croatia, Slovakia, Russia, Slovenia, Cyprus, Malta. Very difficult group to. Uh, predict because uh, you kind of have three decent, four decent teams there in Croatia, Slovakia, Russia, Slovenia, who have quality players, but no one who's really gonna. I mean, uh, no one who's really gonna uh, stand out there. And I, uh, I think Slovenia have a good chance here. It could be Jan Oblak's first appearance in a major tournament. Uh, then uh, England in with Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, San Marino. Looking forward to San Marino, Andorra, uh, because uh, it's a good chance for San Marino to win only their second ever comp- uh, official game. Uh, but uh, England and Poland, I think it'll come down to those two games. And then Germany, who've had a bit of a disaster recently, um, losing 5 0 to Spain. Um, I think they still will top their group. But, uh, you know, Romania and Iceland will fancy their chances. And uh, North Macedonia got to their first ever major tournament. So uh, they'll fancy their chances against Armenia and Liechtenstein. But, uh, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, we're going to see the, the usual suspects. No, not too many surprises qualifying for this World Cup. I don't think we're going to see anyone come out of nowhere and qualify for it. That's it. And I suppose moving on to uh, the club scene around Europe, and I suppose 
Liverpool, I suppose, when, when you look back at the season so far, you know, when we lost, when Liverpool lost Van Dijk uh, against Everton, everyone was saying, oh, they're finished now, they have no hope of, you know, they're going to go down, they're going to go down the table now. And, uh, you know, there was all these disastrous conspiracy theories and, and, uh, and all that, but uh, no, they, in, in fairness, they handled it well. And like the last one or two games, or through games, maybe that's ordinarily they would have won if we had that extra leadership, maybe that he provides. But you know, they, they said, despite all that, they said they said the ship, the ship, and considering uh, the players that we were missing since then, obviously Van Dyke being the major one, but uh, you know, we pushed on fairly well. I mean, when, when you look at um. You know, Curtis Jones, he has nailed his place in the starting 11. He's been playing playing very well, albeit last night when, uh, I suppose, his mistake kind of led to the corner, which led to their, to um, West Brom's West Brom's equaliser. But apart from that, and then you you, you bring on Reese Williams came on, there wasn't much he could do for that, really. Um, you know, Liverpool have pressed on very well, and the they're uh, they're leading. They're on the top of the table. Maybe if they if they'd won that last night, they they would have pushed on uh, to five points at the top of the table. But uh, it's not not the worst result because I suppose any team that's that uh, has Sam Allardyce in it, there's always going to be that. He, he when he, any team he's managing, that he provides that kind of backbone. Doesn't yeah, he? well, he's never been relegated, including in his time at England. Uh, so uh, you know he's. He's, he, he knows how to grind out results. That's the thing. I mean, that's the thing about Alvarez. He's maybe a bit underrated. Look, the football is not attractive, I mean. But uh, when you stand back at the end of the season, he knows how to grind out results and could well keep Ras Brown up. Uh, yeah, looking at Liverpool, they've only lost one Premier League game. I mean, they've only lost one. One thing is, though, they've conceded 20 goals, uh, which is more than Leicester or Everton, who are in uh, second and third uh, at the time of recording. So, um, looking, at, uh, looking at them, I mean, they might just... Um, they, they'll... They're probably going slightly back to the stage where they kind of have to outscore opponents rather than keep clean sheets because they don't have Van Dyke marshalling defence. Um, I think Joe Gomez and uh, Matip, when they're back, uh, are two decent defenders, and I think they can't wait for them to come back. But looking at it, I mean, there are only seven points between first and ninth. Uh, so, I mean, anyone from Liverpool to Southampton could realistically win the league at this stage. Uh, looking at Leicester, Everton... Um, I don't think either of them are going to do it, but they're both going to challenge. I mean, Man United are there. We can see them win the league. Uh, so looking at it, I mean, it's such an open title race. Uh, I was I was fancying Tottenham for a while, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, they've had a bit of a blip now. They they haven't won in the last four games. So uh, looking at it, I mean, it's such an open title race. I I wouldn't really dare make a prediction at the moment. But uh, yeah, look, I think Liverpool have to be favourites because they're top of the table at the moment. And they're probably not going to lose too many games, and that's the thing. It's uh, they're a hard team to they're a hard team to beat. At the end of the day, they have drawn a few games they should have won. They're a hard team to beat, and everyone's drawn games they should have won. I mean, nine. I mean, nine wins is the most anyone has at the time of recording, and I mean that's a, that's a bit rare for a Premier League season at this time. Usually, usually some teams would be in double figures after fifteen games. So I mean, it's um, yeah, it's a, look, it's a, it's going to be a bit of a crazy season, but. Uh, yeah, I would still call Liverpool favourites to retain their title. Um, uh, going along elsewhere to the other top leagues, uh, Bayern Munich, top of the Bundesliga. 
credit to Bayer Leverkusen and uh, RB Leipzig for making the title race out of it. Uh, but um, I think Bayern Munich are going to win their are going to win their ninth Bundesliga in a row. I think they're by far the best team. And what they usually do, what anyone who pays attention to Bundesliga will know, Bayern Munich are usually there thereabouts for the first part of the season until the new year. Then after the winter break, they really push on. They really push on, and they they don't drop points, and maybe they only drop points in maybe two or three games. That's much less than any other team. So I think Bayern, we're going to see them win the league. Leverkusen missed out on Champions League football last year. They look a good bet to get it this season, uh, which is surprising considering they lost their best player in Kai Havertz. Uh, RB Leipzig, again, uh, playing good football. Uh, only conceded the nine goals uh, so far, the least out of any team. Uh, Ten less than Bayern Munich, in fact. Uh, then that fourth spot's really up for grabs. I mean, you have Wolfsburg, Dortmund, Union Berlin, which is a big surprise. Stuttgart, another surprise. And Munchen Gladbach kind of looking for that spot. So uh, I'd be very surprised if Wolfsburg got. But um, I um, I think at the end of the day, we're going to see the cream rise to the top there again. Uh, just weren't on Schalke. I mean, uh, traditionally a powerhouse in uh, Europe, in uh, German football. Uh, they haven't won a game yet after 13 games. They only have four points. They've only scored eight goals. They have as many points as they've had managers this season. They look dead and buried. I mean, it's hard to see them. Hard to see them really go, come anywhere uh, anywhere out of that relegation zone. Uh, then um, Serie A is pretty exciting. I mean, looking at AC Milan and Inter at the top. Uh, Milan have uh, Milan haven't lost a game yet. Uh, they're still unbeaten. They've drawn four games. They've won ten of them out of the fourteen they played. Inter have only lost one game. So looks like we're getting a classic Milan derby title race. Um, and uh, you know, every time we've come to a big game, Milan like against the likes of Lazio against Inter. It's looked like now will be the time they've lost a the game. They remind me a little bit of Leicester, uh, except they have a slight, slightly more history than Leicester did when they won the league. But uh, they remind me a little bit of Leicester in that we keep thinking they're going to drop points. We keep thinking they're going to fall away and they keep not falling away. Uh, Juventus struggling a bit in sixth place. I think that's down to an inexperienced manager. Still fancy them to get top four. But uh, look, they're struggling a little bit. Atalanta not having quite, and Lazio not quite having the seasons they had before. And Sassuolo, Having a fantastic season there, right up there, just one point behind Roma, who sit in third place. Then uh, La Liga, we're looking at Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid level on points. Atleti have two games at hand over them. Real Sociedad doing fantastic. Villarreal, a bit surprisingly, they look to be a team on the down last season. They've really turned things around, uh, but they have drawn five of their last six games, sorry, four of their last five games. Uh, Barcelona struggling a little bit. I think they will inevitably get top four. Uh, Sevilla looked like um, Sevilla uh, running close as well to the top four and Granada keeping up there but I, I think this might be Atleti's year I think this might be Diego Simeone's second uh, ever um, uh, league title it looks like because uh, you know they, they look they look to be a confident team and that's something we can't always say about them uh, Liga Un also very open I mean PSG not uh, PSG underperforming really uh, they've lost four games already uh, at the same time, they're only one point off Lille and Leon and Lille, who sit uh, in the top two. So, um, you know, if PSG stay there, they'll have to qualify for next season's Champions League. Uh, Rennes and Marseille just behind them. Monaco a bit further back in Lens and Montpellier and Angers kind of uh, pushing close there. So it's a very open race, but uh, this could be a year for a young team like Leon. I mean, they have good players in Dubai and Arriere, a uh, player I've always had trouble pronouncing, but... Uh, you know, this could be the year for Leon. Uh, we saw what they did in the Champions League last season. I'm lucky to not get Europe this season. Then, uh, just finally, a word on the Eredivisie. 
Uh, not as over as it usually is this time of year. Uh, Ajax uh, just one point clear at PSV. Uh, I think it's between those two big teams. Uh, I'd fancy Ajax to win. Uh, look, they're the best team in the league, but uh, don't write off PSV just yet. So, uh, yeah, look, plenty of excitement around Europe. Uh, plenty, of, plenty of football to look forward to in the new year. That's it. And uh, thanks very much for doing Euro Soccer with us this week. And you know what we might do? Uh, we might do a look back at the year of 2020 just as a, re- a review, uh, maybe next week, and maybe pick our our goal of the our goal of the year and team of the year. You know, things like that. Uh, just to round up, uh, just to round off 2020. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try to think of my favorite Bray Wanderers goal of the year and uh, see how many Bray and Charleston players I can get into team of the year. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. thanks very much for having me on over the course of uh, the last few months since about October or September. I think uh, it's been great to come on and uh, we'll still be going on Postable Sport, postable.sport.blog and at Postable Sport, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. That's it, and thanks very much for, for that as well. And we look forward to having you again in 2021, and there'll be uh, there'll be plenty of great matches to look ahead to. And, uh, yes, we'll, we'll do that next week. So thanks very much for doing that. Thanks. Thanks, Aidan. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Kieran Duffy, our European.